I'm just gonna go watch a movie. Do you like scary movies? I don't watch movies. I have to return some videotapes. You have a TV? No. I just like to read the TV guide. Read the TV guide. Don't need a TV. Books, records, films, these things matter. Call me Shell. It's the fucking truth. Over 1,600 titles. Each were rented just $2 the first night and only a... Welcome to the Frog Brothers Podcast with your hosts, Justin and Alec. Hello and welcome to episode 65 of the Frog Brothers Podcast. I am your co-host, Justin. With me, you will see Alec and our producer, Manchild, all-around weirdo, Nick. <laughs> welcome to the show. Welcome. You sound like movie phone. Hello and welcome to movie phone. I actually swiftly in the nutsack. Press one. Justin used to answer the phone like that <laughs> so much that I used to randomly do it too, but I would always replace it with something really stupid and juvenile like hello and welcome to penis phone. Does that still exist? Penis phone? Yeah. You can call my personal cell number. What about movie phone? <laughs> You're going to give your cell phone number over the air right now? Yeah. It's 911. 911. <laughs> Quick, what's the number to 911? Gets you right to me. We just, um, I don't know what you're looking at over there, Justin. Are you doing all right? Uh-huh. I'm just hey, Can they read this? Is that the monitor you observing us? Yeah, because my MacBook camera monitor is messed up. Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, because okay. I'm looking down too. So if I look down at me, it looks like I'm just looking off in the distance, just like we just completed a interview that is a long sought after interview for us. Yes. Uh, we interviewed Jameson Newlander from Lost Boys, Alan Frog. Hell yeah, that was an excellent interview. So that'll be coming at you as a special episode. Because, of course, we've got other things on the uh, the list. Of course. This is our regular episode, so that interview is not included in this episode. But uh, check our feeds or our YouTube where you can watch us smile and fall in love with uh, another man. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that was pretty sweet. I picked up that uh, Ghostbusters blanket from Walmart. I don't have it in here. Or I would be like, hey, look, it's the blanket. I go to Walmart. Yeah, we all owe it, own it now, but I don't think we've ever shown it off. Pretty sweet. Has anyone gotten it to glow in the dark? No. Me either. And it glows at night, not in the dark. Mm -hmm. So when it's nighttime, it glows, not because it's dark. It could be, you could have it in a dark room during the day, but then it wouldn't glow. I don't think so. That blanket knows when, where the sun is and it's nano, to its relative position. Yeah. It gets. It has a microchip that lets you that it communicates with the internet. Well, you only use blankets at night, so not true. Neither, I sleep all day. That is what you. Said. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. That is what you said. That's why I said it. Um, 
I was saying, fuck it. What news today? Also, I got in the John Yurkaba designed shirt. Let's Let uh, hold it for you. We'll show it off. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I'll stand up and rub my titties through it. Makes me hot, this shirt, if you know what I mean. Not because it's warm, but. I've got the beautiful, amazing, gorgeous Brendan Pierce shirt designed for Ghostbusters Day. So it's 2021 on it, which is nice because uh, you look back and you'll know what year it was. Are these both available on the Ghostbusters site? Yes, but only through the month of June. So at the beginning of July, they will no longer be available. At all? Nope, they go away. They're a limited run. So if you want one, you better pick it up. That's through the official Ghostbusters shop. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. So, uh, so what else? What else in the news? In the news? In the news? We just uploaded a uh, our last of the Twister coverage videos. Um, This one is just footage of the event and our Airbnb. Some messing around, some shit like that. Pretty cool video. There's a walkthrough of the museum at the end too. Yes. So check that out. I just watched it myself. Mm -hmm. And it gets five out of five stars. Yeah. Well, I mean, what else would I get? Uh, We got a couple more toy reviews coming this week and some other videos on YouTube. So keep your eyes open. Hells yeah, son. We've been gaining subscribers there. We uh, passed a thousand Instagram followers today. And we Woo-hoo. are getting close to 200 on how many are Russian bots YouTube. or sex workers? Three. I went through it today. Total. Three and a half. Because I'm sort of a bot. Mm-hmm. My penis is robotic. And no, I'm a sex worker. So a lot of those come and go really easily. So yeah. Let them be as they are. Anything else in the news? This is a pretty somber beginning here. I feel like I know something, but I can't remember. No, it's a pretty quiet. Um, well, no, I got a couple things we can talk about. Um, Albert Wesker. Oh yeah. What is the actor that actor that he was? Um, they cast an actor as Wesker in the new movie, and it's an actor I'm familiar with, but I don't know his name now. It's uh, gonna make me look like an ignorant bastard. But tell me his name. Anyway, he's a black fellow. And they don't like that, the fans. Because he's not a white male? Yeah, I'm in a, I'm in a group on Facebook for Cinemassacre. Lance Reddick. Oh, that guy. I Lance like that. Reddick, yeah. I like that guy. Yeah, exactly. He's, like, fucking talented. Um, yeah, he was on um, Fringe, right? I'm not sure. I've seen Fringe. him in different places, though. Yeah, he's, he's done a lot of stuff with J.J. Abrams, so... That's where um, I'm mostly familiar. He was on Lost, Alias, and Fringe. Oh, Lost, then for sure. Yeah. He was in one or two episodes of Lost, I think. But um, yeah, people in that group were going off about it. I saw him on another yeah. TV show, like so a that's modern a TV show, too. So, hmm. so I feel like there's some more He's casting. Active. Oh, the Indiana Jones set photos. Oh, yeah. We're seeing Indy back in his clothes. And he's got all those dots on I'm his face. I'm giving the movie a shot. They got all those dots on his face, so there's definitely de-aging going on. Yeah, to some degree. Either. Whether it's for the whole movie or just like... Flash. Well, there's Nazis, too, so it has to be flashback. They said it's extent. supposed to be a 60s 
thing. So yeah, that would have to make some sense of it's got to take place before the end of World War hmm. II, though. Also, well, that's weird too. Hmm, we'll see. I mean, either way, I'm open for it, right? I mean, with his clothes and garb, right? It's you're not going to have to de-age him too much, really. Just his face and probably the backs of his hands. So, whatever, I, I'm I'm cool with it. If you, yeah, why don't they just fucking de-age him entirely and make an Indiana Jones movie and then like even shoot it on like film and like just pretend that it uh, was the fourth one and that Crystal Skull is the fifth one? <laughs> I mean, they could, they could go with insert it there because Temple of Doom takes place before right Raiders too. Yeah, fuck it. I mean, they they could do if they needed to. Yeah. Now I'm like, huh, this could be a good movie that's not happening. We'll see. I'm going to give it a shot just like I'm giving Top Gun a shot because parts of Top Gun look excellent to me. Like the actual cinematography in that trailer looks great. Yes. Some of it also looks like sequelitis. So yes. there's, there's certain things in movies that you're just going to go for and going into that one, just trying to pay attention to the cinematography, the footage they have, all, all the cool stuff in there that's like, yeah, we know the story is going to be some little bit of beating the dead horse just based on what we've seen in the trailer, but there's going to be a significant amount of like the real deal, cool shit that like, what would that movie look like now? So we're getting yeah. that. It's just, unless they are showing like flashback footage when they're showing the beach volleyball scene, it literally looks like the first movie. And yeah. to the point where there's aviator sunglasses, jeans, no shirt, volleyball on the beach, Pex. golden hour. Exactly. Pecs, abs, sweat, sweat, homoerotica, sweet, mm. sweet homoerotica. Yeah. Tom Cruise is, uh, Alex shorts <laughs> are getting really tight right now. They were already tight, man. Well, it's because the fluffer did his job. You may be wondering why I'm not there tonight. And because, uh, <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on dad duty, so uh, I don't get to partake in Nick's little handies. Alec has the handies now. You're matching it. Well, you guys used to sleep in the living room next to each other, so I'm sure that that's not the first time and it won't be the last. Yeah. 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 Sorry, my boring ass background. I've uh, just got my living room behind me, so I just threw this up because my living room is a mess. I got the kids over and we had a birthday party on Sunday, so. It's quite uh, hilarious looking. Yeah. I mean, I could have thrown up my Ghostbusters flag, but hey. Like the Goth Brothers podcast. I, I, I'm in my emo phase again. So, uh, what'd you guys think of Loki? Did you guys uh, get a chance to check it out? Of course not. I don't have Disney Plus. Ooh. I forgot I all about that. Shit. We won't be covering that. All right. Well, I guess uh, that settles that discussion. Yeah, we um, we'll probably just have to cover that one all at once at the end. Well, I didn't want to watch it right when it first aired because it was Wednesday, so I was going to wait till later in the week, and then I forgot all about it. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't check it out day one. I mean, I was able to avoid spoilers, but people are getting anyone spoil. I've seen some spoilers. Oh shit! Yeah. Well, I mean. It's one of those things there's the first episode's really just setting things up. So it's not going to be completely destructive to hear anything about what's going on with episode one. So, I mean, really, as, as the series progresses, I think that's when you've really got to start. I've already seen the thing of Loki on the airplane 
and I will describe it as such because I know what that is because that's been spoiled for me. Okay. Yeah. So that's a thing. I'm very familiar with that story and history. So. Yeah. Yeah. But Fair enough. I guess we can review. That's why Dale Cooper's name is Dale Cooper. Can review the first two episodes next week. Yeah, probably. I don't know. Maybe we'll just, like I said, maybe we'll just review them all at once, or we could like uh, switch to a YouTube format, still cover it. Yeah, I'm down for whatever. Anyway, uh, we do have a lot of content to cover, so let's uh, let's jump into this. What do you want to cover? Dive in. Let me get my music ready. World's greatest. Add music and sing me a song before I punch you in the dick and sing you a song about. Punching you in the dick in the face because you're a stupid motherfucker from outer space. You're a. You know what I just watched? Me pulling a can off some moron sets. Return of the Jedi. Did you see Alien when that uh, creature was in that guy's stomach? Oh my god. Oh, he got really old movie. That flash strikes back. Jesus, Tony. Wow, god. My head looks Looks like I'm dismembered head. Look at that shit. You do look like you're dismembered. <laughs> look at the fucking camera, dude. Maybe I'm just stoned as fuck, but it just looks like I have no neck and my head's just like traveling around. Yeah, well, retro release reviews. Which one are we doing? World's Greatest Dad, motherfucker. I'll just check it. World's Greatest Dad, directed by Bob Goldwig. He talked normal in his cameo. Um, Robin Williams and Daniel Daryl Sabara, who you may recognize from the Spy Kids movies directed by Robert Rodriguez. Yes. Um, this the movie beauty. is great. A shout out to Edgar for back in the day telling us we should watch this movie. And I actually went and watched it uh, and quite enjoyed. Uh, quite enjoyed. Um, I'm surprised they don't own a copy of it. Probably we'll have to get one at one at some point. So, this is one of those movies, right? With Daryl Sabara playing this character is so great in role because, like, you fucking just hate and despise this character. So, you almost don't even feel bad when he goes. And, like, I think you need that for this movie to work because some of the rest gets so over the top. You're like, oh, okay. You know that he, in real life, that actor is married to the woman who sings that uh, song all about that bass. Oh, really? Yeah. Cool. Pop star. Um, so there's some notes I have here. <laughs> I like that he was, he calls all music fag music. It's music for fags and shit. It's fag music. That's the faggiest music of all. He says about the fucking like metal and shit or whatever. Um, just letting you hate this character. Yeah. So it, it's a black comedy. It's not a drama. You know, it has dramatic elements to it, but that's just because it's a good movie. It's good filmmaking. Yes. The, the things into it like are like real life much like where shit gets so bad. It's just like comical because you're like, it's, you know, sometimes comedy is the only way to get through the toughest moments of your life. So, you know, I definitely think that this movie really captures and embodies that perfectly. Yeah. I mean, 
let's just talk about some of the shitty things this guy does. Um, wiping his feet on the, the, the car bothers the shit out of me. Maybe that's just cause I'm old now. Uh, oh, dashboard where he's just grinding his feet on his dash. Yeah. Yeah. I remember grinding my feet on my dad's dashboard. Yeah. I got a little more sense than that. I didn't grind my feet on a dashboard. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. Yeah. Um, which is hilarious, like, because, you know, just knowing what I knew about this movie, watching it to begin with, like, you're assuming that you're going to see him dead at the very beginning. You don't know that there's going to be some character development before, right? Yeah. And so this character, basically, Michael Carradineing himself, autoerotic asphyxiation, right? He's basically strangling himself while he's jerking it off. And Robin Williams yeah. plays Lance Clayton. So Lance goes in the room to see his son, Kyle, and basically catches a mid act as he's coming and his dad like calls him a calls fag. Him. No, yeah. he calls his dad a fag. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, yeah, a fag for watching him come. And he's like, I thought you were dead. Yes. So and like letting to get out of there. So like this kid's like hypersexual and doesn't know how to deal with himself. Like clearly a troubled individual. Right. He doesn't fucking enjoy anything, but vaginas and boobs and he's like wait he's like telling his friend how he's like bored with vaginas he's like i could go right for the brown hole yeah <laughs> just like saying awful shit that's like um I don't well, know. he's a character that you clearly tell that his character is a virgin right and just trying to play it up and like you know that kind of high school bullshit where people try to show off and like act like they're bigger and better than they are when they're really just you know not you know everyone's been there it's like it's a standard coming of age and it whether it's sex that you're lying about or something else like people are always trying to have some sort of status right and clearly this guy's dealing with some bullshit at school but yeah. he's also kind of a dirtbag so it's like it raises some very interesting questions like you know like at what point in time you know do you you know, it's too much, too much for somebody. Right. And the irony of this movie is the fact that he dies while jerking off to pictures of one of the teachers who Lance is seeing. Mm -hmm. And he'd been snapping up photo or up skirt photos of her at dinner. And like he finds those on his son's phone and like he's embarrassed and it's crazy. And yeah, you know, so crazy <laughs> with his dad and like just a piece of trash, a human trash. Yeah. yeah, he was watching the hot neighbor too. Oh yeah, yeah. That's yeah, funny when she flips him off and shit. <laughs> exactly. I know there's so much of this movie that just feels like is very relatable to real life because you know people go through this kind of shit, and I love how you yeah, know, when hot with the neighbor, and you know they like the Night of the Living Dead movies, and you know that just brought a little bit of sense of normalcy to them. You know, something to bond over people that normally wouldn't have much in common besides living in the same place right and um i like the relationship with uh kyle too the other kid that hangs out with him that is like i like your dad because <clears throat> you know he, he has obviously not a good home environment yeah. so yeah so that kid clearly looking at that he's like just jealous like man your dad fucking rules like you don't have any clue yeah but he's not open enough with that they they're not open enough with each other or whatever that they could talk about it or anything so yeah but i mean they're open enough that he knows that like something's awry with everything so i love how you see the notoriety of you know him writing this suicide letter and then it picking up and then you know that rolling steam 
And then I think the, one of the most true aspects, you know, cause I've seen this in high school, you know, if someone passed away and, you know, there's a few people that passed away in my graduating class and stuff just for one thing or another. And everyone like would fucking hype them up like, Oh, this person was so awesome. Like you didn't even fucking know that person, you know, so many right. people act like it, it's important and it hurts them. And it's like, well, it's like, no, I get it. You can be affected by it and you can be hurt by it, but there's just like a, a certain other element where people are after the prestige of it all. We see people who try to use someone else's death for their own attention. Exactly. And stuff and make themselves feel important and because like, oh, they, I knew that person. And those people might have still inside some legit upset feelings about the situation just because yeah, it's still not cool, but like, yeah, for someone in your own, yeah. age, your own peer age group. Right. And it's, losing someone when you're that young is like, that's a life cut extremely short. And so, yeah, there's some valid feelings to that, that, you know, maybe you experience existentialism for the first time like that, or maybe you start questioning religion or whatever else it is. You know, there's a lot of things that can open up in, in you, but I'm talking more of the extreme people that use that to like their advantage to like try to gain from it. Right. You know, we kind of see that in twin peaks as well. Like after Laura Palmer's death, like we see other people trying to utilize that for their their gain. So I liked how that kind of. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, his dad definitely does it in this movie. Then he said, he one point says to that girl, um, that pussy ain't going to eat itself. <laughs> and the other kid uh, is the just boy. like, yeah, he's just like, what the fuck did you say? And then starts giving him shit and they end up fighting. And um, I like when he calls him, get off me, you dumb jock. And he's like, I don't even play sports. And he has braces and shit. And it's just like, <laughs> it's a fucking hilarious scene to me. Yeah. Um, another scene that's great is when they're showing his poetry class for the first time, you know, because he's talking about that's another one of those like B plots in there. Just one of those things that he wants is to be a better teacher and to have people actually interested in his poetry class. And they're talking about cutting the class. So that's one of those like sub arcs in there. Yes, like that's it pays off. But when he's in there talking to him, and he has the the kid is just reciting the under pressure lyrics. Yeah, and he's like, "You didn't write that. Queen wrote that. That's the lyrics to Under Pressure." He's like, "I didn't think you'd heard that." And he's like, "I'm white." <laughs> <laughs> I have liked that a lot. That was hilarious to me. Yeah. Or um, when he when he's still alive, there he invites him. Or he's tell, tells him we're going to dinner with um, the woman that he's seeing. I can't even, I didn't write any of these motherfuckers' names down or anything. I just watched it. Um, but they're going to go to dinner. And uh, he tells him, if you don't act right at dinner, I'll stab you in the face. <laughs> and uh, that gets me. I just like hearing Robin Williams talk like that. Yeah. I don't know, man. There's something about his performance in this compared oh. to other Robin it, Williams is not as manic as he could be in other roles. Right. Mm -hmm. Like he, you know, he took his own life through suicide, which, you know, if you're, that's, what's weird watching this. Yeah. I was about to say that's definitely, and it was like plays, five years later after he filmed it. So yeah, it plays a weird fucked up element in the, in when you watch this movie, when you know that now, um, well, it just seems so sincere because he's so distraught by it, but you know, he does it in a way that he knows how to handle it. Right. And that's why that performance of his feels so true. Right. Especially the difficulties of it and, and things like that. So, uh, you know, it just, you know, if, if you really need help, you know, hopefully you have somebody you can reach out to or find somebody to reach out to um, because that's some serious stuff. And, 
you know, obviously it was made to look like a suicide in this. It was accidental in the movie, but you know, you just kind of see that parallel in real life. And, um, you know, the one thing I, I hate hearing people say is that, you know, like suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And, in many situations that's accurate, but it's not really a hundred percent accurate. Right. There's certain things that, you know, may not be temporary. Right. Yeah. I mean, you have terminal cancer, like, you know, you, there's some dignity in doing things the way you may want to do them. But I mean, if you really need help or something like that, you know, just make sure you're reaching out. I don't want to, that's kind of a touchy topic for someone that's dealt with depression and anxiety myself. So just figured we shot that out there because we know what it's like real life i thanks dad of you but i'll be right back i think i heard a cat doing a thing keep talking nick what would uh what stood out in this movie when you saw it just what i said like just him talking about suicide and i guess basically being against it and talking about you know it's a permanent solution to a temporary problem and all that and i was wondering if making that movie went through his head at all when he was contemplating suicide himself that had any impact on him and yeah you just never know i mean when, when you think about that right you think of some really funny people that go through the really dark stuff right and you're like everyone's like oh i had no idea he was depressed well like the natural comedy is a natural deflection for that so i think that's one thing that you know you really see robin williams character doing this you know you see him perform that as lance is that there's these kind of odd situations going on and then you know, this was written by Bobcat Goldthwait as well. It wasn't just directed by him. So written, produced, and directed. So like, that's a lot of, um, you know, a lot of background there. I'd love to talk to him about like- the Yeah, I wonder what his uh, experience with suicide in his life is. Yeah, I mean, because everyone deals with like the level of depression and anxiety at some point in time or another, right? There's very few people that never go through that. And so just you see- you know, what, what that would have looked like or, or how much of that would have actually influenced his real life. Anyway, got a snack huh? from suicide to mukbang. Some Domino's crust. Thank God we're recording this through zoom or this would sound really gnarly. Sounds anyway. That was pretty gnarly anyway. Well, for you, <laughs> you're hearing it direct. Oh, it's one of the cats. We're trying to get into the pizza we ordered. I didn't even get to eat but like a slice earlier before we had to get on with Jameson. So, so this is a, just a serious dark comedy. And like, right. You know, I thought it was interesting when he got on that Oprah style show and everyone was like really, you know, kind of into it. And then when they finally go to dedicate that library and, you know, Lance is able to like break it down and be like, look, here's, here's the real shit ostracizing himself right and just basically be you, you know you're going to be hated but you know he finds that freedom of you know him, himself not feeling alone anymore and i you know i think that's a very spiritual and freeing like the way that movie ends is like yeah there's just something that you can go through trauma and you can make some mistakes but you can ultimately find yourself in a spot of true yeah he <clears throat> i've related so much to that ending more now it's like a cathartic ending where he's just able to let go of caring about that shit. He's like, well, he's gone. I need to stop trying to protect his image and benefiting it this way. Cause it's not the real way I wanted my work to be done. Like 
they even told him, you know, I think it was one of the things like they, they want one of your books too, you know, the publisher that was trying to mm-hmm. get him into yeah. work. And you can tell that's the thing. One of those things that struck him like, Oh shit. They only yeah. want because of this fucking bullshit, not because it's of its work. And he, it's like, you can tell that's one of those things he's thinking about Nolan mulling around in his head. Like, all right, well, I don't want that. And I like how it shows him hanging out with the, the other troubled kid or whatever that doesn't have his good family. Yeah. Family. And then that woman they're sitting down and watching night of living dead. Yeah. Andrew is sitting there with the neighbor as well. You know, that was kind of nice to see that as well, because kind of felt like he was going to like almost not legally adopt him, but kind of, can we be play Doom dad, on my computer? Be a dad figure for him. Yeah. Did you guys notice the uh, Chris Novoselic from Nirvana cameo? I read um, about it, but I didn't fucking, I can't recognize that motherfucker. Oh, I recognized him immediately. So when I was watching it with Liz, I was like, hey, that's uh, Chris Novoselic from Nirvana. And she's like, really? How do you know that? I was like, I don't know. I've just seen that video of him throwing his base up in the air from the MTV Awards and it comes down and knocks himself out. Like, oh. <laughs> He's like permanently burned in my brain because of that. That's hilarious. Um, go, let go. The cast is pretty good too. What is it? Um, Claire Reed, played by uh, Alexi Gilmore. She's such a skis. Mm-hmm. She's a very interesting character. She has a good character arc too, because right, she's you know kind of playing Lance and then playing the other writer and when he gets that article in the new yorker she kind of drops lance for that and like it's still kind of playing playing him on the side and everything and you don't really know what's going on but you know everyone's kind of had one of those things like is this really legit or is this just kind of like yeah she's well, just there for the show yeah yeah she's there for the showmanship of it all that's why she's so and worried about prestige her. of it all yes yeah so fuck her she does a good job though because i mean you legitimately fucking that character like as you watch this you're like what an asshole and you can smell my burps what a probably no you wouldn't have <laughs> i could smell the food don't you like to smell a coca-cola and uh garlic well then the other bit is uh, you have jeff pearson is playing the principal and he's basically like fighting to give kyle a chance in school and all that other bullshit just because Lance is the teacher there, right? There's, there's a lot of dynamic players to this movie. It's very well written. It's not just your straight plot conflict resolution. You know, it's um, there's just many layers that weave through it very well to make it an interesting story. So, like, you could rewatch this and the rewatchability is high because if you focus on different characters, you're going to learn a lot. Right. After seeing this, it's like it makes me want to find out what else Bobcat Goldthwait has written and directed. You know what I mean? Yeah. And watch it. Yeah, I was just looking at that. There's a movie did that he wrote and directed not long before this one called Sleeping Dogs Lie. Hmm. Anyway, well, I have to look those up and but he's directed a lot of TV shows like um was it was that show called The Man Show or it was on like TNT or something. The Man Show was on like Comedy Central, wasn't it? He directed yeah. like 42 episodes of when that. Kimmel was on. The, oh, that's yeah. terrible, though. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> that sucks, Bobcat, but I get it. Hey, you gotta, you gotta make that money. But you can tell he's not a shitty person when you watch this movie. At least I think. I hope. I mean, I don't know the guy personally, but shit. Pretty good guy, I think. This is the Frog Brothers podcast. 
Which is I lose money. A wild character for him to play. And then it's funny seeing him as the limo driver and just exactly. kind of chat. Just being like so down to earth. His more normal voice too. <laughs> yeah, because if you don't know you're looking for him and there is easy to miss. Right. It's funny. Might be worth checking out. What are they? Yeah. Oh, is it like somebody's jealous of their dog? I, I don't think that's the plot. That's what I would guess, judging uh, based on that. Like she's a fuck, either fucking her dog or she's so into her dog that the movie's called, what is it called? Sleeping Dogs Lie. And the poster is <laughs> <There's> another one. <laughs> a woman and a man in bed and a dog is between them and they're all naked. I can't see it. The dog's smoking a cigarette. The dog's not smoking a cigarette, <laughs> but the guy looks pissed off. Like, like the dog, you sucked his dick more in the threesome. That's how he looks. Red rocket. <laughs> um, well, that's that. I guess we will move along to our pitching segment. Ooh, yeah. <sighs> this one isn't really any consistent uh, segment right now at least this one particular it doesn't even really fit the usual pitch that we do but we decided what the fuck still a pitch in the summer tent pole but anytime we're going to pitch an idea regardless of that that's uh, kind of the category it falls in so eventually we'll make some theme music for it so in your mind, just think about how awesome of a banger it could be if Alec actually won. It's free on Amazon, Tubi, and Voodoo. Huh, I don't know if I'll expose myself to that or not, though. Why not? Because there's a dog fucking in it, probably. Two and a half hours. I don't think there's dog it fucking. It looks like there's dog fucking. I've read the description. There's no dog fucking. It's not about the dog. What is, then why is the dog on the front? I think she's slept with someone in her past, and it's haunting her. I don't, it's not a dog. Well, that's weird. The dog's probably just like the comedy relief of the movie. That, that and it probably licks his ass. Whoever made something. that poster is it probably not doing him favors. It probably interrupts their fucking or something in a hilarious way. Either way, um, you're gonna go first on this. I didn't do it. You didn't do it. No. Mine is I use the cast of Cheers. I guess you're going first, Justin. Well, I didn't want to do it without rewatching. I was gonna watch the Netflix. T episode episodic form of it, and I just didn't have time, and I didn't want to do it without rewatching it because I've only watched it once. Mine's pretty hilarious in some parts. I didn't do the entire cast, but I just did most of the main cast, right? So I did all of the eight, and then I did three other characters. Okay. All right. Well, I'll just kind of break it down, right? So in the original Hateful Eight, Sam well, not the original, but you know, in the in the movie Hateful Eight, Sam Jackson plays major. Uh, Marquise Warren, and um, in my version in the 80s, I cast Paul Mooney. Who the fuck's that? <laughs> Paul Mooney? You don't know who Paul Mooney? Paul Mooney just died. Not yeah, Paul Mooney, I don't. Rip. He did a um, bunch of... He did a lot. Of, you'd probably know him from Chappelle's show, but he's been in a lot of random movies, oh, too. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know him by his face, but... Yeah, he, so, yeah, was, he died many yeah, things. And I was thinking Richard Pryor, but I was like, no, Paul is a little bit more of an edge to him, a little bit better physical demeanor. So I just thought that he'd be great in that role. I mean, the original motherfucker. Also How old Richard was he Pryor. then? Uh, in the 80s, he'd have been, what, I don't know, late 30s, 40s. He was 80 when he died, so. Oh, okay, so yeah. 
50 ish. I was about to say, that's probably hope you want him in his 50s then. Yeah. Like Sam Jackson's old in that role, but. All right. And then John, the hangman Ruth, would be played by Tom Skerritt. Originally played (laughs) Russell. But Tom Skerritt's got that like 80s style badass mustache look to him. Not quite as physical, but still like could be in your face and like have some attitude as an actor. So I like that. And then uh, Daisy would be played by Linda Carter. Linda Carter, obviously being Wonder Woman. I mean, I think she'd have been pretty close to age range for that there then. Because there's a lot of great actresses in the 80s, but a lot of them are just way too young to to play that role. So Hmm. uh, for Chris Mannix, which would be Walter Goggins' character, uh, I chose Val Kilmer. Thought he'd be a little interesting. And then for... um, Marco, the Mexican, I would have Raymond Cruz from that. (laughs) (laughs) I just showed him who I picked. Oh, okay. That's funny as fuck (laughs) to me. Yeah, no, uh, Marco, or uh, sorry, Raymond Cruz has been in uh, like the Better Call Saul series and stuff. So like he's real fucking menacing in that show. And I just love that. So I just see him like his younger self being in there, being able to pull that role off. Makes sense. Obviously, uh, English Pete Oswaldo, played by Tim Roth. In this version, I would have that be performed by Michael Bean or Bane, however you want to pronounce that. Obviously, he's our homeboy from Terminator. And uh, um, but not bad choice. Yeah, I just thought I, I thought he could pull it off. And then um, might be a better Jody Domergue. Yeah, and then for Grouch Douglas. Um, Joe Gage, William Atherton. <laughs> That's just funny. He can be a loud asshole, right? When he wants. So like, he's so serious. Like, I think he's kind of got some of that demeanor that, uh, Michael Madsen has like just being a dick. <laughs> uh, General Smithers played by Bruce Dern. Uh, Harry Morgan, who was uh, in the original Dragnet TV series, was also in the Dragnet movie, but he's an older guy, and I think he would he'd play that role very well. So hmm. that's that's what I did for casting there. And then the Bruckheimers is the directors. Oh, I didn't do any directors or anything for this one just because we talked about the cast, but I figured my version would be Scorsese. Okay, that's fair. That's a pretty good precursor, or if not him it would be um brian de palma nice all right well it's impossible all right john the hangman ruth as originally portrayed by kurt russell will be played by harry dean stanton he doesn't have a beard but that guy fucking rules in movies can he grow one there i don't know he doesn't have to have a beard necessarily that character a fake beard on the beard isn't important to the character, so I figure you just put him in that role. Mm. Let him be a fucking tough motherfucker tossing around Daisy and shit, talking shit to everyone. I love hearing him talk, so. Yeah. Just watched Alien the other night, too, so I was like, ooh, I'm feeling Harry Dean. Um, Major Marcus Warren, as originally played by Samuel L. Jackson, Billy D. Williams. Oh, that's Billy good. D. 
I would love to see him be really fucking menacing and mm. bring some shit down on these people. I think that'd work. And he's like, he's a little bit older. Again, that's a, he's way younger than Sam but, Jackson, but knowing that he could have played two face, you just know that he's got that menacing spot. Though, yeah. Yeah. That voice of his too. It'd have been, it would have worked amazing. That's great. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, Daisy Domergue as originally played by Jennifer Jason Lee, Jane Fonda. Okay. Yeah. And we watched her in nine to five. She was right around, uh, you know, she was been acting since the sixties. So she'd be in her probably forties in the eighties, I believe. I think she's in her eighties now. So, um, I think that would work well. Yeah. Chris Mannix as originally played by Walton Goggins, Harrison Ford. Uh, I think he'd be hilarious in that role. That guy knew how to talk. And um, I think yeah. if you take some of that, like if you make Harrison Ford a little bit sillier, it would have been really hilarious in that role. So yeah, where he's not taking himself so serious, which he likes to do sometimes. Yeah. Marco, the Mexican originally, uh, I don't know how to pronounce the guy's name, but I will do my best. Demla Bikir or Bichir. I don't know. In a hilarious turn because it's the 80s, Al Pacino. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we talked about that last week or the week before about how Al Pacino and Scarface kind of fucked up. But seeing how this would have one of the same style directors and same style of movie, Al Pacino in that role would probably have flown. So for sure. Yeah, you definitely get those vibes. English Pete slash Oswaldo Mowbray, Tim Roth originally, Dick Miller. Yeah. I'd like to see him pop up in there. If you don't know Dick Miller by name, he's the Billy's old neighbor in Gremlins, and he's the gun shop owner in Terminator. Mm-hmm. Bunch of little small roles here and there. Chopping Mall, he was one of the janitors that gets zapped. <laughs> Joe Gage slash Grouch Douglas, originally Michael Manson would be Dennis Hopper. Nice. Mm-hmm. He's old, can be kind of a subdued asshole and just give those kind of looks and stares that he needs to do with that character. Uh, General Sanford Smithers, originally Bruce Dern, Wilford Brimley. Hmm. Okay, yeah, that's a good call. Yep. Uh, Jody Domergue, originally Channing Tatum. Matt Dillon. He's a good, timely actor for the time. Mm-hmm. Young and handsome type. He had already done The Outsiders in the 80s. OB, who is the uh, coach driver, Richard Dreyfus. Okay, yeah. An old, almost what about Bob age, Richard Dreyfus. And uh, Aretha Franklin as Minnie, who owns nice. the battery. That's pretty well-rounded there. Yeah. Fitting, Nick. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's all we have to offer on that segment. Nick didn't do it this week. Uh, You know, timing restrictions combined with... The cast of Cheers. Yeah, but that doesn't work. You can't just say that. (laughs) Is Norm Sam Jackson or... Yeah, yeah. no black people in Cheers. That's what I'm saying. Like, who's who gets to see me? Be Sam Jackson. Be me. Be me. New Earth. Mm-hmm. 
So, so we're going to switch over into uh, a repeat of this segment. You know what I just watched? Me pulling a can off some morons fist. Return of the Jedi. Did you see Alien? When that uh, creature was in that guy's stomach? <sighs> Welcome. This movie is Disturbia from 2007. It went through a little bit of a developmental hell before it got released. Yeah, uh, about that. That's pretty interesting. Uh, so obviously this is one of the earlier Shia LaBeouf films and it's actually one of my favorite roles he's done. I mean, that and the peanut butter Falcon probably are my top two roles of his for different reasons. So um, I like Disturbia a lot. I like holes a lot. That was early on. He was still yeah. um, got recommended for this and amongst other things like Spielberg was just impressed by him and from that. So, yeah. Um. God, there was some other stuff. Lawless, you still have to see that one with him and Tom Hardy and shit. But uh, anyway, um, the director of this movie liked a tweet I sent out earlier about us covering this on the podcast, DJ Caruso. So uh, shout out to that guy. Hey, hey, guess what? What's the Ghostbusters connection? Oh, I will tell you. Uh, Montecito Pictures well, also co-produced s- this movie. It also says produced by Ivan Reitman at the end. That's yeah, pretty- accurate. Produced by Joe Medjuk, too. So fascinating, and and Spielberg. Yeah, like this was a DreamWorks picture, so this had a this had a pretty big backing. That's probably why it's such a good thriller for was, what it is. Yeah, there's certain things that are attributed to Spielberg in this movie, just different details. And if you watch this movie, you could be like, "Wow, I think that's why we like this movie so much and think it it is underrated because it does have those like vibes of like if this movie had been made in." Yeah, I don't know, 89 or something like that. It would have done really well. Or the early 90s, you know, you you write around the cell phone stuff. And it, well, that's when it was written was the 90s originally. So, yeah. And, you know, it's basically based in part or inspired by Hitchcock's rear window, which it really feels like modern Hitchcock when you watch it. Right. Because it's it's a thriller without doing like anything too crazy over the top. Right. You know, there's nothing absurd, but it also feels like the serial killer version of Fright Night to me, right? That's well, yeah. They serial- talked about it's uh, the filmmakers have compared it to basically Fright Night meets Say Anything. Yeah, and that's I would say that's that's a pretty good comparison there, right? Yeah. Now it has some cheesy shit in it, and it's not one hundred percent all the way throughout. But it's I'm finally we're far enough far far enough far enough away from this movie stroking? now. Yeah, I'm stroking off over here. Let me see you I'm smile. Having a stroke. Is this smile crooked? <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> no, we're finally 14 years away from this movie. You know, you can look at it now, and it does look like it was made in a different time now. Yes, like it's the clothes, the outfits, the hair, the cell phone. Well, for sure. Hmm. But like, wow. We're 14 years from 2007. Sounds fucked up. I'm just high and like thinking about that. Whoa, dude, we're like 14 years. Um, but Shia LaBeouf does a pretty good job in this movie. He has funny moments, um, sincere moments. He's still early enough in his career that he's not 
like he's still I- idealistic you know what i mean he's yeah, he has a- now and realized all the fucked up shit that went happened and and embraced it and confronted it and wrote movies about it and shit um but this was a different time you know this is what year did transformers come out that same year probably and this is a way better picture you know but- yeah the first transformers is still i was like 16 when i saw that i can still watch that one and be like yeah transformers not was bad. also 2007 not bad it's all right now yeah. the sequels and all that and you know whatever but first one gets by because they don't rely solely on that there's like a human story behind it and then they're beyond that they're just like okay we got to sell toy cars yeah which i mean you know they were toys to begin with so yeah i mean yeah you get that i understand what they're doing with it you know who is great in this movie is david morse he's very fucking menacing but also like slightly charming right he gives off those true serial killer vibes like you know the, the women love some of these serial killers and are obsessed and like you know you hear about all these serial killers getting love letters and stuff when they're in prison from people and like when you see this kind of character you kind of understand why people might do that because you just see the two-faced nut job that's really at you know going at it so are you telling me you want to fuck this guy no i also really like this actor you want to fuck that guy he was the villain in the second season of house which i just recently watched all the way through he looks like john voight yeah He's kind of he's an ass like an asshole cop in this in house, and he kind of. Well, he hasn't aged very well, so he looks a lot more fucking. Yes, all that, yeah. We like to sing the song "Pop That Pussy" um, in this podcast and in this house. Hey, pop that pussy, baby, from uh, Idle Hands and Major Pain, which we've already covered. And wouldn't you know what? Two Live Crew pops up again in this one, um, as the ringtone that she changes his phone to the. Me so horny, oh, oh, me so horny. From uh, you know the the two live crew song that samples Full Metal Jacket. This friend's eight, uh, an Asian. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of fucked up to consider that. I didn't even think about it that way. That's probably because I'm white. <laughs> that's why. <you're> <laughs> Addressing the privilege right here on the podcast. And that actor is from the Friday the Thirteenth reboot, also. Yeah, where I recognized him from. He's also has a small part in the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street remake. Okay, I only watched that once, so I don't remember. Well, I only watched it once <laughs> also, but I looked him up. I need to watch that again. That's give a factoid for you. Give it another go. But I don't know. Next time I do a Nightmare on Elm Street marathon, I will. You know what? Right, I just want to watch Jennifer's Body. I did see that, that once. Should cover that sometime. It's written by Diablo like Cody, who plan, wrote Juno, which, uh, you know, Jason um viola, viola davis is in this mm-hmm. which is funny seeing her back then when she was still getting you know less meaty roles i should say carrie ann moss was a pretty big actress too wasn't she i can't think of anything particular she's done but I, mean, I don't recognize the name or anything oh she was the the main woman in matrix that's why oh i've watched matrix like two or three times yeah if you're a fan of the Marvel series, she was in Jessica Jones. She had a, a big role in there, so you may recognize her from that. Mm. So. Um, I like the house in this movie. Yeah, the whole layout of the neighborhood like really works for this, right? Because you get good vibes. It feels like a real neighborhood. Like with Fright Night, it doesn't necessarily feel like you're in a real neighborhood. Well, this, sometimes it doesn't for sure because they're on a lot. Yeah. But, but I mean, really works and i love the scenes where he's testing out his ankle bracelet and like 
you know, kind of setting things up and landmarks across the yard and everything. I think that's really kind of sets up the actual layout of what he's dealing with, which I enjoyed. Yeah. Um, there's a little bit where they, the camera's panning slowly over to the right and, uh, showing that he's like itching himself, but the joke is that it looks like he's masturbating mm. for a minute there. Yeah. Right in front of the dryer for some reason. Right. I mean, why not turn the dryer on, sit on it and then mm. masturbate mm. or even better put a fucking uh, dildo onto the dryer then mm. sit on it and then turn it on and masturbate. These are your tips from the Frog Brothers podcast on how to masturbate. It's a new segment. How to masturbate with Alec. I mean, on your own, but you know, the show is called How to Masturbate with Alec. On your own. That's what it'd be called. Is it those instructional videos like where you tell people how to do it and they they enjoy that? Yeah. I see. I see. Wear a lab coat. (laughs) Yeah, just a lab coat. Like Jennifer Aniston and Horrible Bosses. <laughs> but I'll just be hanging dong. You know, that's an interesting character is Aaron Yu's character in this. Uh, he's just kind of, you know, he's kind of the comedy relief, the silly zany guy that's like, oh, just there. And, you know, kind of the, just that helps not it be so grounded in reality the whole time. It's just like, okay, here's this bumbling idiot kind of hanging out. Yeah. To being a fool. Um. Yeah, I remember watching the scenes of her in the pool when I was a teenager too, and just being like, <sighs> and it's uh, it's like almost fast timesy. That's what it reminds me of the pool segments with her when he's watching her and shit. Yeah, it's fast timing without being as like graphic, right? You know, oh yeah, because he's not he's not jerking it or anything for sure. I mean, at least you know, not on camera, not that we know of. They probably right. around that. <laughs> did, did you jerk it to this movie? What, you didn't? I don't think so. This movie got me going all the time, man. I wasn't a teenager anymore. All I had to do was think about uh, that the bad guy in the wig when he drove the woman's car. <laughs> Shit gets me going. Yeah, there you go. And the mom. Oh, yeah, he liked the mommy. Mommy posting. Mama. No, this this movie hungry, helped. hungry, hungry, mama. Welcome to the Frog Brothers podcast. Um, what else you got to say about this one? Um, the the last the sequences where the cops keep showing up and shit always annoys me too. They show up in like thirty seconds. Yeah, and then they just ignore the shit out of them. I mean, the second time, and then they checked the garage and all that, whatever. But looks like a nice, kind of a nice neighborhood. I don't think those cops would be just like regularly patrolling, but yeah. Well, in an area like that, though, they'd probably be readily available. And my voice just cracked. He has a point when he calls it a conflict of interest, too. Yeah, yeah. the teacher's brother or nothing. I'm like, yeah, that's something. bullshit. There's no way. I'd be complaining. He seemed he seemed reasonable, though. Like, for the most part, except for when he eats his sandwich before he goes, but eh, he doesn't—he doesn't, doesn't seem to be too unreasonable just because he punched his relative. Well, he's kind of a prick. Yeah, but could be worse. Yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> fuck him. 
That's where you should do the soundboard. My friend, don't be a jerk. I can find it. I don't even know what. But I'm I meant I expected say. him to be a bigger asshole in the movie to him and be a bigger part of it, which he was. Fucking a man. There it is. Better late. Than- No, so this this movie is, is just a fun watch, right? It's just a really good thriller. It's well done. And it's easy to watch, you know, if you're not a huge fan of like horror movies or anything like that, you can watch it without it being like excessively gory because it's 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 PG thirteen, isn't it? Yeah. So it's it's it'd be a good like you know, it's good like um I mean it's less gory and less graphic than like Lost Boys, and I was watching that as a kid, so yeah, I think this movie still holds up pretty well, right? You know, it's like you said, it's it's looking its age now, but like the the quality of it's still good enough that it's not like a distraction. It's just you yeah. know, and that dude's house to smell like like dead bodies because he didn't. Those bodies are just kind of in the ventilation, and I don't fucking know, man. That's kind of gnarly, isn't it? But sometimes you get lazy at the end of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Like people walk in there, they don't smell the. The ending bodies. of that movie, d- though, does feel like the ending of the remake of Fright Night copied this movie. Yeah, it does. Because they're like in some weird kind of thing like that too, and I've only watched that remake like once or twice. But there's like catacombs or something below his house. I don't basically, know what's going on. That's what they kind of have going on in the Fright Night remake at the end. So weird, R- really weird stuff. This may only be the second time I've watched this, but I did remember really liking it when I first watched it on when it came out on DVD. My copy of the DVD is in a blockbuster case. I probably watched it twice before. I don't know. That's a nice case. Yeah, it has the regular like art inserted in there instead of the blockbuster sleeve, but the actual case itself, like you open it up and there's a blockbuster imprint. So, Roy, good job. Um, I guess we'll move it on and close off the episode. We now return to the real Ghostbusters. Diane, 11.30 a.m., February 24th. Entering the town of Twin Peaks. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Bill Murray's the funniest man on the planet. Episode by episode. Yeah. Episode by episode. Episode six of season two entitled Demons. For those of you watching along, uh, be prepared to watch commercials again starting in July. Be prepared. Unless you have ad-free Hulu. Yeah, because this is leaving the Netflix you're being. When is it? June 30th is the last day. Oh, shit. It's coming up. It's still on Hulu, and I have it on DVD. Actually, I have it on Blu-ray. This opens up with Harold. Talking with uh, Donna and Maddie after he claws his face mm-hmm. with the gardening yeah. thing in the last one. It's hilarious. Um, they argue for a minute. James, quote unquote, rescues them. Yeah, and they're just pissed at him because they're still trying to get shit done. So, yeah. Um, and then he goes and um, there's a meme from there's lots of memes from all of these episodes, but the popular one that I'm thinking of is. Uh, watering plants aggressively it says that in the subtitles <laughs> on the meme you know because he's pissed off and fucking just in there watering his plants 
which that room is just a dope room to have. I like his plant room. Mm. Or greenhouse is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. You want, you want your own plant room, don't you? Fuck yeah, I do. What kind of plants would you grow? Marijuana children. <laughs> Marijuana children. Mm-hmm. Where, where is it? Where is it? <laughs> God damn it. Where is it? Lions? He's what, trying what to find it? one of his audio clips here. I can't find it. You need a better system. I just can't do it, Captain. Now keep going. I'll just interject at some point with it. Oh, smoke weed every day? Is that what you're looking for? Yeah. Well, just do it. Do it yourself. I can't find it. Smoke weed every day. There you go. That's all you need. No, it's not. It sounds so much better. <laughs> don't sell yourself short. Yeah, I don't How know do where it's not- at. You caught up with Audrey after that and Cooper. Back at the book house. Mm-hmm. A little change of pace there. It's fun. Yeah. I like how you just kind of see the intensity of all that because like, like they clearly realize like how drug she is. They're like, gosh, she's on heroin. She's real fucked up. So yeah. And I love it when she's talking to her dad a little bit and she's like basically saying, you know, I know what's up, and like he's not fucking catching on to it. She's like, I know, I know your game, buddy. And he's just kind of being clueless there. And you know, it's uh it's fun. Yeah. Um Oh, uh, you know, Lynch coming in as Dale Cooper's supervisor is amazing. Gordon Cole. Yep. And he's interesting, right? Just because he plays this guy that's, well, they say he's mostly deaf and these things are up all the way, but he still can't hear. Yeah. Sounds great, Sheriff, but I already ate. Yeah. Which is great because he's the same character in The Return, so. Yeah, he has that great line, uh, which is the other big meme from here, which is the uh, really weird stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's crazy seeing how young he was when they filmed this too, seeing his character in there. And it's, it's one of those, like, I, th- I don't think he was, was he on other episodes very much? Um, he's in a couple more. Yeah. Yeah. But basically he was saying, you know, he's calling him out. I love when he takes him into the sheriff's office and then the sheriff's basically like comes knock on the door. Truman's like, yeah, we can hear everything you're saying. Yeah. Call out the incident. And what was it? Philadelphia or Pittsburgh and they're basically saying, well, you got into that. He's like, well, that was, that was different, but basically calling him out for getting injured on the job again. So, yeah. Um, uh, let's see where I was at. Oh yeah. They have the very homoerotic moment where he tells him you're the best lawman I've ever seen. Cooper. <laughs> very soap opera. you right. You know that. And that's the beautiful thing about this show is it like weaves that stuff in, but it's not like so, so completely cringeworthy that you're like, what the hell are you doing? Like, it's just weird enough that you're like, I'm good with all this. I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah. The, um, then the guy comes the, well, I don't know if it's the insurance rep or what for the, to talk about <clears throat> Leo and they only, they only get a $700 check and they were expecting five grand a month. Yeah. And they basically explained it as like bureaucracy and bullshit. And he's like, well, there's fees and taxes and you know, all that. And like, it's, it's great that you two are there watching them. Yeah. I do love the scene. Like, uh, you know, Bobby and Shelly, you know, I love the look on Shelly's face. Like when she's getting irritated at Bobby about it all, but then like lightens up again, like when they slam the cake in his face and shit. And he's just, Bobby's just talking so much shit to him. It's hilarious. It's well done. Like that's a good scene. Yeah, it's, it's, that shit's 
just funny to me. <laughs> the guy playing Leo, right? He does a good job, like, of looking like void of like emotion and stuff, right? Because you know how easy it would be just to like naturally flinch and stuff, just because there's people in the room doing shit, like you know, watching his performance there is probably one of the best performances he gives on the show because he's just able to stay in character there and not like let the room affect him. And I think that's like really adds to it because otherwise it'd be super distracting that they're doing all this shit, but the sounds that he makes occasionally is like, I love how freaked out they get by it. You know, they're like, what? It's like, no, this man's not coming back, but they're still paranoid about it. So speaking of sounds, I have an update. I don't know where it's at, but that thing, the sound of smoke weed every day is not on my soundboard anymore. It's not here. That's why I couldn't find it. Fuck it. So, uh, yeah, that pisses me off. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of Josie in this episode dealing with people. And one of the key parts to her is like Truman telling her that he loves her. Yeah. You know, because we've seen a little bit of those two in the show before, but, you know, you don't really truly understand the dynamic of it. So to hear him say that, you finally get a grasp of, like, what their relationship was. <gasps> At least inside of it, so. Uh, Philip Gerard is brought in by Hawk, who is the one-armed man. Yeah. Um, That's some amazing shit, too, when you get to the end of this episode. Like, it's so fucking good at the end. Yeah. Um, he because, also did you already talk about the opening chess move? I might have zoned out for a second there. Oh no, the uh, card that he gets. Yeah, Cooper got a card from um, Cole that is uh, from Wyndham Earl. He suspects who you will find more out about later, but um, that's pretty interesting. That plays out more in other episodes as well. Uh, Cooper and Truman then interview Philip. And, you know, they're trying to get information out of him. And he has a seizure and basically turns into Mike. Yeah, Mike. And he's there's so much information in here to unpack because he's like, hey, I'm this inhibiting spirit. And you're like, okay. And he basically, he doesn't say that he's a good guy, but he's basically aware of all the other bullshit going on with Bob. Right. Yeah. And you just kind of start to learn about like some of the weird shit going on. He tells them that Bob is hiding at the Great Northern, too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. What does he say? He says he's um, gifted and damned and can see Bob's true self is how Mike describes himself. So I thought that was pretty cool, right? Because that's a pretty profound moment because you see this normally bumbly shoe man and like, you know, another great performance because when he becomes Mike, he's obviously speaking very confident and like, I do not need the drugs. I'm fine. And you're like, oh. Oh, okay. So we got a little transformation here. Yeah. Um, then he does the poem, which is uh, one of the most legendary things from this show. Comes back to it is referenced all throughout. Um, Through the darkness of future past, the magician longs to see one chance out between two worlds, fire walk with me. Yes. And that you know, plays in so many other areas of the show. Obviously the movie, the prequel movie, that's prequel sequel stuff going on based on that. And then, you know, they're just setting up so much stuff. Yeah. Well, in the sequel, this doesn't give anything away. There is a similar poem at one point. Well, not a similar poem, but it's like a, just the fact that there's poems in the sequel series. 
Um, it's pretty cool. I forgot where I was going with that. Yeah, no, I get it. Uh, I was going to say it, uh, that second one I was thinking of is the one where he says, uh, this is the water and this is the well drink full and descend the horse of the uh, is the white of the eyes and dark within um and that one has a very bizarre meaning and structure in that show as well but this one just reminds me of that one specifically yeah no i can get that that's cool this is a good episode though like really once you get to that mike bit like there's a lot of other interesting stuff there too prior to that then you get to mike and you're just like holy fuck like this is the really fascinating stuff because you're getting into the lore of really what we're starting to learn about but we've just been giving little pieces of it here and there so yeah it's 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 yeah it's just cool as fuck the show <laughs> i'm sorry um at this point the episodes start getting really good for a minute at least for me um like the next couple ones are pretty fucking solid um, there's a lot of season two shit that's random filler and like stuff. But we'll talk about it when we get there. Um, the Japanese guy showed up again in this one. Yes. And it's interesting because he had an interesting conversation. Well, I say interesting twice in a row, like a dumbass. Um, but, you know, he talks to Pete at the bar and, you know, he's trying to have a conversation with them and he's, you know, not having any of it. He's like, do you want me to buy you some sake? Right, glass of cold milk, mm -hmm. sir. Please, exactly. How about a hot, about a hot dog? <laughs> Those are the vibes that's getting there. And obviously, there's more to come for this character. But you know, like just initially watching this, you're like, "What the fuck is going on with this guy?" Like, it looks so wrong. Yeah, uh, yeah. You just gotta wait. For it. All we can say, just you just gotta keep watching. Pretty much. Oh boy. Uh. <clears throat> Are you sleepy? Yeah, I'm getting there. Nice. You're going to go to bed soon? I got some editing work. Gonna be up shit another to do. five hours. And then I got to, uh, I got to go to bed at some point because I'm working on a film shoot tomorrow. <gasps> what? Yeah. Uh, I'll be doing production assistant work. For who? For uh, this movie that's being made, oh. I don't know if I should reveal any details or not, oh. so I won't. Who I would say, just leave it alone. Yeah, I'll just say that I'm helping out on a movie, ah, uh, a full length feature film. Oh, who I'm gonna pull your uh, like Ray, the director. Uh, I can tell you this I was looking at one of their DVDs at Walmart the other day. Neat, pretty cool. Who. Your mother. No. Um, uh, well, I guess that's all we got, guys. So be sure to check out our other episode we're uploading this week, the bonus episode, which is the interview with Jameson at Newlander. We'll have some other content up on YouTube this and week the, as well. Uh, newest Twister video. Go ahead, Jay. Oh, the other bit of news that we didn't hit, but you can play the outro and I'll... Uh... I'll fill us in. His original version of Ghostbusters theme song that they try to sell. Oh, 
as recently surfaced by the original artist and there's some hints of it in like other media before but now you've got a good chance at actually hearing it and so surprised if uh you hear some people that especially one person in particular that excels at the sounds of 80s pop music uh besides something very modern vintage pop music with it yeah and, uh, you're gonna make it better these are my guests, <laughs> the Frog Brothers. Good night, everybody. Frog Brothers. Good night. These are my dinner guests. Frog Brothers. Frog Brothers. Frog Brothers. These are my dinner guests. Frog Brothers. Frog Brothers. Frog Brothers. These are my dinner guests. Frog Brothers. Frog Brothers. Frog Brothers. These are my dinner guests. Frog Brothers. Frog Brothers. Frog Brothers. Shut this off. Shut these all off.